Good morning. As you're making your way back to your seats or grabbing that last cup of coffee, uh, again, we're just so honored to have you with us this morning. I know um, there was one announcement that didn't get made, but I don't know how many leaders are in here that don't already know, but we have a leadership team meeting this afternoon immediately after church, so if you can help us when we get done with this morning as we tear down uh, so that we can get over to the gate and uh, have our, our quarterly leadership meeting. That'd be awesome. It, it's this afternoon. So if you're on the if you're on the leadership team meeting, you should already know that. But um, awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy and for the gifts that you have for us. And Lord, this morning as we unpack your word, uh, as we Start 2020 looking to You for our strength. Looking to You for the answers to life. Lord, You would empower us. That You would overshadow us by Your Holy Spirit. You would help us to hear what You need us to hear today. You would speak through Your Word. Strengthen us and encourage us. And help us to be that flavor in this world that draws people to Christ. Lord, we love You. and We're just so honored to be in Your presence. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Good morning again. We, uh, If you are watching us online on Facebook, good morning, welcome. I know that we've got quite a few people who watch us online or maybe you're listening to the podcast and uh, you'll be listening to us later in the week. We're honored to have you with us, uh, whether you're here at Hilton uh, Community Center in Hilton, New York, or you're listening or watching online. We are starting a new series. We're actually going to be in this series all the way up to Easter. Um, so we are going to be unpacking the fruit of the Spirit. and what, is, what does it mean to experience the fruit of the Spirit? What is it, how, do we, how do we get the fruits of the Spirit in our lives? How do we abide in Christ? And so over the next few weeks, over the next four weeks, we're going to be going through what are the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, today we're actually going to talk about rotten fruit. Uh, because, yeah, because rotten fruit's no good. Uh, we, want the, we want the good fruit. We want His fruit. And uh, next week we're going to talk about whose fruit is it anyway? Uh, is it ours or is it His and, and how does that work? Uh, and the third week in January, we're going to be talking about following the Spirit. And then in the last week of, of January, we're going to be talking about no limits. That living a life in the Spirit, having His fruit being uh, made real in our lives, means that we get to life, live a life of no limits. That there isn't anything that we can't do when the Holy Spirit empowers us and the fruits of the Spirit are enacted uh, in, in our lives. And then from February through March, we're going to be working through each week will be one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Um, and so we're, I'm really excited about this. And, and if you got a, a note from us or if you've got a visitor card over the last couple of uh, months, uh, you should have gotten a bear fruit sticker uh, from me just as a gift. 
And I just feel like, Pastor Rob, why? What is with this whole bear fruit thing? Um, it, I, my, I left my water bottle over there. Um, what I want to encourage you to do is put that bear fruit sticker. Thanks, honey. Yes, Vanna, my model. Um, put your bear fruit sticker on your coffee mug, on whatever you use when you're at work, whenever you're at, with, where you are in connection with people outside of LifeQuest. And pray that God will open an opportunity. If you want to get a t-shirt, the, the guys make t-shirts. Um, there's all different kinds of them. My Aunt Cheryl got me. She's wearing her barefoot t-shirt. Um, awesome. Uh, she bought me that for uh, for Christmas this year, so I had my blue one. Um, somebody asked me, did you get a whole barefoot wardrobe? The, <clears throat> the answer is yes. Um, and it, what I love about it is, is number one, it's kind of cool, right? It's, it's a cool-looking bear. Um, but why is a bear holding a pineapple? Opens an opportunity if someone asks Rob, what is up with the whole bear fruit thing? It creates an opportunity for you to say, well, you know what? Jesus said in the Bible that we are supposed to bear fruit in our lives. And so I am just using this as a reminder to me that I want to be the kind of person that the fruits of the Spirit are evident, that when people are around me, I, I smell and taste like Jesus. Does that make sense? We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. So um, if you've gotten a bear fruit sticker from me, um, stick it on something. Take, take a picture of it and post it somewhere. Uh, that, that it puts a hashtag LifeQuestTC and hashtag bear fruit um, just for fun. And, and see what happens. See if uh, somebody, I, I won't see it on Facebook because I deleted Facebook off of my phone. Um, but I have people who are still on Facebook who will pay attention to that. Or, um, so anyways, that's what the whole bear fruit sticker thing is. This morning, we are going to be in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, uh, whether you're in the YouVersion Bible on your phone or you have your uh, paper Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And that's where we're going to pretty much land for most of the morning. And what I want us to get out of today um, is that we, we need to recognize where our lives need growth. Because we, we all need to grow in, in our lives. There are areas where we're weak that we need to strengthen. And, and the way that that happens, the way that we grow, isn't by accident. That if we want to grow in our relationship with Christ, if we want to grow in our ability to make an impact in our world, that doesn't happen by just simply hoping that it happens. That there is, there is a part on our part that we have to prepare the ground of our hearts. That there are maybe we need to identify and remove some of the weeds. Any, any gardeners in, in the room this morning? I, I'm not a gardener. I have a black thumb. Um, when, when we touch green things at our house, if they're not plastic, they die. Um, well, plantzilla is the only thing. And even plantzilla, come on, if we're being honest. It's starting to turn a little yellow. Isn't isn't Plantilla turning yellow? A little bit. Um, yeah, my. We yes, talk to one of the gardeners. Maybe they can help Plantilla not survive 2020. But if you if you want your garden to be fruitful, if you want the the plants that you, whether they're your flower garden or your vegetable garden, 
there are things that you need to do. You need to provide fertilizer. You need to prepare the soil. You can't just go and stick something in the ground and hope that it grows. You have to prepare the soil. You have to pull out the weeds. And so this morning we're going to take a look at at maybe some weeds in our lives that we need to remove um, and some rotten fruit to identify because I think you'll, you'll agree with me that some of the fruit that we'll look at this morning are pretty rotten. Have you ever bitten into a piece of fruit expecting one thing and getting something completely different? Right? Like you see this this shiny red apple, and you have it in your head, man, this is going to be a great experience. right? I've been looking forward to this. It's been in my lunchbox all morning, and, and, and I, my, my wife lovingly packed it in my lunch. If you have an amazing wife like my wife, who sometimes will, will bless our kids. Well, she, bless, she makes lunches for the kids all the time. But, um, so you, you've been anticipating this apple, and, and then you go to take that first bite of the apple and you're for me i'm a crunchy guy my apples have to have crunch and snap and and crispness Uh, i don't like them really really juicy i don't like them extra sweet i like them to have that nice level of tartness but you bite into that apple and it's one of those apples that's real mealy and and just kind of like the texture i'm a texture guy and it's it's like coarse and it's just like ah this is not what i expected right it's a bad apple but I, I was i was thinking about uh, apple jokes and and i was reminded of what's worse than biting into an apple and finding a worm biting into an apple and finding half a worm right Ugh. it's gross it wasn't what you expected and it doesn't it doesn't taste like you thought it was going to taste. Maybe yeah, maybe it tastes better. A little extra protein in that one, right? It's, it's a, you have to kind of look at it a different way. Um, but when, when people come into contact with you, do they taste rotten fruit? Or do they taste Jesus? in their encounters with you. Now, obviously, we're not promoting cannibalism. Uh, but the, the flavor that you bring to your environment, whether it's your school environment or your work environment or your family environment or even our church environment, we all have been around those people that you know something has happened because that person has entered the room. They bring a flavor. They, br- they bring uh, an atmosphere just by their mere presence, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad, right? Everybody understand what I'm saying? We're nodding, yes, we, we, we've personally experienced that. And what I would pray and what I hope for us as a church is that we would be a church where the fruits of the Spirit are there so that when people encounter God here, they're experiencing love and joy, and peace, and kindness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control when they come into contact with us, and that we bring that flavor, that aroma, to those that come in contact with us. You know, a lot of times when we think about church in view of outreach, when we think about LifeQuest in 
in, in the sense of uh, evangelism or outreach, we, we can think of the church as a tree, or we can think of the church as an event. And to keep a healthy tree producing fruit, what do we need to do? We have to take care of it. How do we do that? Prune it. What else? Dung it. I didn't say that Ed said that. Dung it. We need to provide fertilizer. There we go. There we go. It's an old farmer term. Dung it. It's it's a verb. You have to add fertilizer to the tree, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We need you have to provide nutrients to the soil so that it produces fruit. You don't uh, spray water on the flowers in the hopes that, that, that it will create fruit. You have to put water where? On the roots. And then the tree draws those nutrients from the ground and then it will naturally produce its fruit. But when we think of church as just a weekly event for people to attend versus thinking of church as a church, we can imply that evangelism is just no, is no different than being a concert promoter. That if we can just get them to come to the event, if we can get them to show up at our activity, then Jesus will help them and grab them and save them. And, and it's not it at all. We have to think about evangelism and, out, and, and our ministry as an organism, as a tree that we have to invest in the roots of, of what God is doing at LifeQuest. And when we are focusing on making sure that we are uh, nutrient, uh, that's not the right word, that we have the right nutrients, that we have the understanding of the Word, that's, that's that foundation. And then we are renewing ourselves through the Holy Spirit that He is washing us by the power of the Word. That then gets into the roots of who we are and then the Holy Spirit draws that up through the organism that is you and that is life quest. And then as we naturally are experiencing His power in us, then His fruits are going to just show up. Right? We, there's nothing that you can do to make a tree produce fruit. We can do everything that we can. We can, we can provide fertilizer, or as Ed says, dung it. Um, we can make sure that it has the right water. We can make sure that, that there is the, the right conditions. But then what else do you have to have? Sunlight. Can you control sunlight? Nope. What else? Do we, I mean, you can artificially provide water, but we need, we need it to rain. Right? We need those conditions where, where we need to have the right temperature right, for that fruit to grow. And, and all of those things are completely outside of our control. Our, what, our responsibility, what we're supposed to do, is simply stay connected to Him. Abiding in Him. And, and as the, as the, our, our part is to make sure that we're not allowing those weeds to grow around the foundations and, and making sure that we're taking in all of these nutrients. And, and uh, we'll, we'll look at those as we unpack this over the next few weeks. And when we do that, naturally, His fruit will show up. But it doesn't happen by accident. There's some intentionality that we need to have.
Now, I don't know about you. Um, at New Year's Eve, uh, when I found out that, that Ron had hurt himself, um, I was just like, oh, no. Um, but as we get older, our bodies tell us things, don't they? Right? Um, I, I have this nagging thing in my shoulder that if I, if I move my arm a certain way, it hurts. And uh, so I've been going to the gym with Jimmy Bolton uh, for the last month and a half and, and working out with Jimmy. And uh, so, Jimmy, if you're watching tomorrow, 7 o'clock, don't be late. And, and so I've been exercising these areas that, that normally hurt and thinking, man, New Year's Eve, I'm going to be golden. Right when we play volleyball, I'm going to be all set. And and we played. And we didn't play all night long, but we played. I played one game. Um, I did play one game. It was a test to see how it was going to be, and it was a good game. We were. It was very. Uh, Joshua, man, way for taking one for the team. Like you were like all over that court, uh, watching him sacrifice his body for his team is impressive. Um, I know that if I played like Joshua played, I would not be here today. Um, but New Year's Day, waking up, my shoulder was talking to me. It was saying, Rob, what in the world were you doing? I think uh, Kate said it. Uh, the, the lesson learned here is that when we're 50, we should not run. Um, <laughs> but the, our bodies have this great way of communicating um, what's going on? So if you if you load up on sugar and a lot of high fat foods, uh, your your body's going to respond to that. You're going to end up with extra pounds you weren't expecting. You're going to end up with heartburn that you don't want. Um, and and we start to feel those symptoms in our bodies. I, I'm sure that there are quite a few people that hopefully um, God's strength and healing is applied to you quickly, but the people who are struggling uh, right now in flu season, where you feel the chills, you feel the, the, the pain, the, the uh, muscle aches or the fever, and it indicates that we have a cold. And in the same way, when the fruits of the Spirit or the, the good fruit or the rotten fruit that we're going to talk about in a second, when they are in our lives, those are indicators of whether or not we are in step we're out of step with the Holy Spirit. When, when you get bumped, what kind of fruit falls off of your tree? Is it rotten fruit or is it good fruit? Does that make sense? Um, so before we jump in, I just want to do quickly an overview of the book of Galatians so we understand where we're, where we're heading. So Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and the purpose is to reaffirm the gospel message and to address a problem. So you have these non-Jewish Christians who are in the church with these Jewish Christians, and the Jewish Christians are trying to make the non-Jewish Christians follow all the rules of the Old Testament. And there's conflict. Because that's not what they signed up for. The non-Jewish Gentile Christians... All they know is, if I put my trust in Jesus Christ, I have a relationship with God. And now they're, the people who are sitting on the other side of the room are telling him, yep, that's awesome. And you have to make sure that you're circumcised. And 
you have to make sure that you are following all the, of the feasts and you have to make sure that you're following all the cleanliness laws and, and, and there's this conflict. And so Paul is writing to them to remind them what it means. And so he talks about how all believers are justified, that, that we all belong to Jesus' covenant family because of our faith in Jesus, not because we're observing the law. And he, he's talking to a multi-ethnic family because the gospel message means that anyone can be included. You don't have to be just Jewish to be in the family. You don't have to be white to be included in the family. You don't have to be African American. We are all included in the family. And they were having trouble with that. And then he's talking to them about spirit transformation in, in the, the first few chapters of where the law helps people follow God's will, but Jesus' transforming presence through the Spirit equips us to obey Jesus' commands and His laws. And then in the last chapter, uh, chapter 5 and, and verse 6, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and that through the Spirit we may follow Jesus' way of life and we may become people of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And so as, as uh, we're in Galatians chapter 5, it's kind of important for us to understand context. And so the first half of chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, if your Bible has a header uh, over each of the sections, it'll show you that the beginning of chapter 5, Freedom in Christ. And so he's talking about all of these things that, that don't try to put people under the rules of the law, that we have this opportunity to live in relationship with each other and in relationship with Christ that brings freedom, not bondage, to a set of rules. And so he goes through about what does it mean to live by the Spirit and, and to, be, to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised us in, in verse 5. All of these things. And then we get to chapter uh, 5, verse 16, where it starts and it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. What he says in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. You get fruit, and it's rotten. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. But, in verse 22, but, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross, to His cross, and crucified them there. So since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's unpack that a little bit. So he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Our sinful nature in all of us wants what it wants. And sometimes it is overwhelming. That sense of, man, I just, I just want to do what I want to do. And sometimes that's in empowering a habit that we shouldn't do. Sometimes that's looking at something that we shouldn't. Sometimes it's uh, overdoing something that, that is taking time away from the things that are important, whether that's church or our family or our, our relationships. Sometimes that craving is something that you just like, man, it's this, this yearning, this longing of, man, I wish I had or I want or I, I think that I need. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. It's like a tug of war going on in our hearts. That tug of war is that, that battle between Christ and, and Satan. And in, um, in the book Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan describes it, that is this tug of war that Christ and Satan long for the possession of the city of Mansoul. And they're contrary to one another. That what Christ wants for your life and what the enemy wants for your life are totally different. They're, they're in conflict. It's like a spiritual duel is going on for your very soul. Verse 18, But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law. And then he goes off to that whole list of rotten fruit. right? And and. Ancient writers, they love to put together lists of, of, of things like this. And so there's four groups. I don't know if you noticed uh, as I was reading them, but they kind of break up into four easy groups. And the first one is the sensual sins, like um, sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful desires. The, the word there uh, for, for, fornica- for, for fornication is, uh, is the, the Greek word porneia, where we get the root for pornography. And, and so it, he's saying, look, if you are struggling with this area, you are, you are the opposite of what God wants in your life. That that is, that is, is totally contrary 
But our culture kind of makes it sound like, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. And in there, it, it lists things uh, like pornea, uh, pornography, prostitution, uh, uncleanness, which is moral impurity, not just of a sexual nature, but uh, you're okay with uh, fudging the lines a little bit. You're okay with not telling all the truth. You're okay with uh, stealing from your employer. It's, 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 uh, you're okay with looking or talking about inappropriate things, uncleanness. And, and then when he talks about um, lustful pleasures, it's this idea that in Galatia, it was anything goes. You could do whatever you wanted in culture outside of the church. And what these Galatian Christians were, were saying or trying to bring in is, you know, our culture says it's okay, so it's okay. And Paul's like, no. No, it's not okay. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't make it okay. So there's those sensual kinds of sins, rotten fruit. And then there's idolatry, worshiping of idols, which we don't really have a we don't have a, a frame of reference for that because we don't really use idols in our worship. We don't have statues to different gods that we offer food to. We can see that if you look uh, in uh, interculturally across the world, that there are cultures that still use idols in their worship. Um, and for Galatians, that was a big deal. Our idols have just kind of shifted, haven't they? Our idols have become things like our jobs, where we will sacrifice everything on the altar of work. Or they become our our hobbies. And so we sacrifice everything everything so that we're doing what we want to do, even if it keeps us away from being at church on Sunday, because whatever that is has become so important. Uh, it could be it could be sports, it could be comic books, it could be anything, it could be clothes, what you know, stuff that I've got to have the stuff. And so we have idols today. We just don't call them idols. It's anything that substitutes our energy and passion for Christ with something else. That's an idol. And it's rotten fruit. Witchcraft. Now, witchcraft, oh, we're, we're not, we don't have a problem with that, right? Um, what's, under, what's, what's interesting is that the Greek word for witchcraft here actually ha- has something to do uh, with drug use. It's the same word. It, it's actually the, the Greek word is the word that we use for pharmacology. And, and what would happen is the sorcerers would use mind-altering substances to get people into a state where then they could influence them and get them to do things that they didn't want to do. Isn't that interesting? That witchcraft in this context is not worshiping Satan. Witchcraft in this context is putting yourself, because what happens when you are under the influence of a mind-altering substance is you are making your spirit, your soul, open. And so when people are on drugs, when they're high, they are susceptible to seeing things and hearing things. And it's because spiritually you have put yourself in a state where the enemy has access 
to mess with your spirit. That's what witchcraft is in this context. Um, it's it's, it's um, something that I think we miss. Because we think, oh, he's talking about witchcraft. That just means uh, Harry Potter and spells. That's not it. If you participate in those things, you are opening yourself up to things that you should not be opening yourself up to. Bad, rotten fruit. So those are easy, right? The, the sexual sin, we get that, yup, it's bad, rotten fruit. Uh, uh, drug addiction and, and worshiping things other than God, yup, we get that, that's rotten fruit. And then, then he jumps into eight words that have everything to do with personal relationships. That are like, man, th- those are just things that, you know, that's just life, right? This shouldn't be disqualifying me from being able to enter into the kingdom of God. But personal relationship things, are there, there are all these old words, sins of the Spirit. Uh, what are those words? He says, uh, hostility. You ever met someone who was hostile like all the time? I know a few. Some who, who, tra- who, who, who call themselves Christians, but every time you have an encounter with them, it's like, buckle up. Because this is going to be a ride. That constantly hostility is what comes out of you. Bump them, and the fruit that drops off of their tree is hostility. Or quarreling. Where they constantly have to be in a battle for something. Where they always have to be right. They always have to have the final say in something. And, and, and you, you know that when you bump into this person, oh, here we go, buckle up. Because no matter what you say, they have a smarter answer. Jealousy. That you have something that I want and I'm jealous. It could be stuff, it could be relationships, it could be anything. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Kind of goes along with that hostility thing, right? But sometimes the hostility can be subtle, and it doesn't really come out. And it can so you can be hostile and not have outbursts of anger. They're two kind of separate things. Uh, and I'm not looking at any one person in particular. So if you're feeling this squeamishness, uh, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. Because um, I know for me, that's that's one of the big ones: outbursts of anger, bump into my tree. Uh, and sometimes um, that's the rotten fruit that comes out of my heart. My wife is nodding her head. As well as my kids. <laughs> Selfish ambition. I want to look good. Don't make me look bad. Because I want to make sure that, that I come across as being that person, right? Dissension and division. Wow. That this gets listed with all of those, with witchcraft and idolatry and and all of the sexual sins that we're like, oh yeah, that's totally rotten fruit. And now we're like, well, you know, I just, I like to have my way. 
and, and I like to be right, and I like to have what I want, and I want to make sure that I come across in the right way. Or sometimes, you know, my temper gets the best of me. And Paul says all of those things are rotten fruit. And then he goes into the, the last one. So we've got the, the, sen- the sexual sins, the idolatry sins, the personal relationship rotten fruit. And then finally, the, the drunkenness, um, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And, and so they would, they would, in Greek culture and in Roman culture, they would have these wild parties that they would celebrate the god Bacchus who was the, the Roman god of, of, of party. And, and they would, you know, what's the big deal about going to a party and just getting hammered? You know, it's not that big of a deal. But again, you are doing the same thing that you're doing with witchcraft, with a mind-altering substance that now is, a, is hindering your ability to make good choices. And he, he, again, I, just go there. Drunken excesses. The Bible is very, very clear. Drunkenness is, is the sin. And so not only that, but, but when you look at what he says at the end of verse 21, he says, let me tell you again, as I have before. He's reminding them that, hey, look, guys, this is something that you are particularly prone to. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if a traveling evangelist who had been here in 2008 came back and saw that we were still doing all the same things that we were doing wrong in 2008, and it's now 2020, and we're still doing the same things wrong, and they had to say, look, I'll tell you again, as I have before, man, what are these guys doing? The habit of these sins is proof that one is not in the kingdom of God and will not inherit it. We have to root this rotten fruit out. It has no place in the follower of Christ's life. It's rotten fruit. When we recognize where our life needs growth and we prepare the ground and we identify those areas that need to be pulled out, rotten fruit that needs to be clipped off and thrown into the garbage heap. So then how, what's the answer? How do, we, how do we get rid of this rotten fruit? What do we do? How, how do we, what, what's good fruit? Verse 22, he says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the time we get to Easter, you guys are going to know the fruits of the Spirit in and out. There is no law against these things. And, And what Paul does here is he changes his metaphor from here are all the bad things that you can do that are rotten fruit in your life. And he switches it to this metaphor of, of good fruit, that, that a normal outcropping of the Holy Spirit. When you are connected 
to the Holy Spirit and His power is, is evident in your life, this is the kind of stuff that shows up on your tree. Verse 24, that those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires. They've taken all of those things, that this is all stuff that's old me, and nailed it to the cross. Nailing those passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not be conceited and provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I love this story. There uh, is a, a, a college of divinity at the University of Chicago and um, I don't know why they have this event, but uh, every year they have Baptist Day. Uh, now we're, I know, it's, it's odd. Um, but every, every year on Baptist Day, uh, they bring uh, a lunch to be eaten outside on their grassy uh, area in the, the commons at the University of Chicago. And they would invite one of the great theologians um, in current um, teaching to come and speak to the students at the Divinity School. And so, and, and they would come and lecture. So one year they invited this man named Dr. Paul Tillich. And Paul Tillich is a very, very liberal theologian, um, not just in his politics. He, he completely um, disregards anything supernatural that happens in the Bible. And, and so this Dr. Tillich spoke for two and a half hours attempting to prove that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was false. That it never happened. And so, again, I don't understand how you can uh, be a doctor uh, of ministry and divinity and not accept the resurrection of Christ. Um, but this guy is so smart, he knows everything. Uh, and so he's quoting scholar after in book after book, and concluded that there is no such thing as a historical resurrection and that the religious tradition of the church was groundless and emotional mumbo-jumbo because it, based, it was based on a relationship with a risen Jesus who in fact never rose from the dead in any literal sense and then asked if there were any questions. Right? And so... So here's this is such, uh, the response is just so awesome. So after about 30 seconds, uh, an older man, uh, an African-American preacher, uh, had a, a short crop of white woolly hair, stood up in the back uh, of the area, and he says, uh, Dr. Tillich, I got one question. And everyone turned to look. Forgive me. My, I'm reading it. It's how it's written. And so he reached into his sack lunch that had been provided by the college, and he pulled out an apple and began eating it. And he said, Dr. Tillich, crunch, crunch with his apple. My question is a simple question. Crunch, crunch. Now, I've never read those books that you read. Crunch, crunch. And I can't recite the scriptures in the original Greek. Crunch. Crunch. I should have got an apple. 
that would be spitting all over Kendall and she'd be very unhappy that he died. He said, I don't know anything about Niebuhr and Heidegger, crunch, crunch. And he finished his apple and put it down on the ground. And he says, all I want to know is this. This apple that I just ate, was it bitter or sweet? And Dr. Tillich paused for a moment and, and answered in exemplary, scholarly fashion. He said, I cannot possibly answer that question, for I haven't tasted your apple. And the white-haired preacher dropped the core of his apple into his crumpled paper bag and looked up at Dr. Tillich and said calmly, Neither have you tasted my Jesus. And the thousand plus people in attendance couldn't contain themselves and stood to their feet applauding this simple preacher. And Dr. Tillich thanked his audience and promptly left. Have you tasted Jesus? Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. If you have, rejoice in the hope of the resurrection that your faith in Him brings. When people come into contact with you, Do they taste rotten fruit? Or do they taste Jesus? Psalm chapter 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, and their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. When people come into contact with you, do they taste rotten fruit or do they taste Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we all have room to grow. We all have those areas in our lives that need to be pruned. We all have need of fertilization of of Your Word to sink deep into the roots of who we are. The water of the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, that if she would just drink of that water, she'd never be thirsty again. Lord, we need that. We need that at the roots of our very being so that You can prune off all of the rotten fruit. Lord, I pray that You would help each of us this morning to to weed out the junk and the garbage that's choking the life of us. Lord, if there are things in our lives that as we've looked at, 
what rotten fruit looks like and smells like and tastes like. Lord, that we would, we would cut those things off of our lives and surrender them to your, your uh, compost pile. And that we would desire your fruit in our lives. That when people bump into us, that it wouldn't be the rotten fruit that knocks off our tree, but love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control would be what they sense and smell and taste from us. In Jesus' name. blessings. Pray that you have a fruitful week. Pray that you have uh, uh, an awesome week uh, experiencing the Spirit of the Lord. Um, Blessings. Leaders, remember we have our meeting uh, over at the gate, so if you can help us tear down, that would be fantastic, and we will see you next week. It is an egg Sunday. Thank